Good day, everyone. It's Sunday. That can only mean one thing. That means that we are all meeting here for Sunday Night Teacher Talk. And I I don't always look at the comments before I come on because I is distracting to me. And you know, you know, ADD can't can't do that stuff all the time. But I did notice that my excellent friend Maisha is here. And uh, it looks like the depot, the office depot doesn't have her on lockdown today. So she's here, even though every time she works it at uh, Office Depot, I tell her, just put me on in the laptop section, just on every computer. <laughs> so, that would actually be really awesome. If it would that. be hilarious. Um, so look, gang, I am, um, it has been an incredibly busy month at the least. And it's so always busy here. It is always busy, but it's always here's the funny thing is like you'll 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 like survive the day sometimes. Sometimes you're right, like you survive the day. And then I think, oh man, like all right, we got all that done. What do we got? And then the conversation becomes, what do we got to do tomorrow? I don't think we have much. We have <laughs> like today, it was like there's church in the morning. Oh, then we have live feed. Oh, we got to run this errand. Oh, then we got to make all the fresh dog food. Oh, then we got to do this thing at night and this thing. Oh, okay. So it's it's a pretty full day. It's a pretty full day here at the Reynolds house. Um, but we are thrilled to be here because look, I, I just, I, I glean so much. I really wish this was like, I really wish this was at like a diner or we were meeting up in person somewhere every week to do this kind of stuff. It would be awesome to just be around one another, but who knows? Who knows what the what the future brings us? Um, but look, all we want to do here is help you to be the teacher that you're called to be. And I think that that is, can be done in very small shifts. I don't think that this always has to be this grandiose, big change. Oh my gosh, I'm going to start going to the gym and doing 75 things at, at a time and be there for 90 minutes. No. We are believing in this idea that um, small tweaks lead to giant peaks. We believe in the idea that uh, like in oh gosh what is the book on habits the really famous one i forget um where they talk about like it, it's basically rigging the game to win it's starting with these very small habits and then stacking them over time and i think that that's ultimately how we change our classrooms and and ultimately change our lives because what we're doing here is not just trying to be great teachers we're trying to live a great life also and so uh if you have a question you can put it in the question section you can just put q or question before it uh, like my friend Maisha already kind of instructed. And that's where we're going to kind of kick that off. Before we get started, though, I want to do two things. One, I want to thank everyone that was a part of our classroom CPR workshop. And uh, what did we learn from this workshop? One thing we learned was that someone hit me up and they told me that they thought it was a classroom. It was about doing CPR in your classroom. So what we're learning is that uh, clever and cute are not better than clear. So uh, maybe next time we just say like how to get your crap together i don't know i don't know we'll come up with something neat. you're still trying to um, be clever still trying to, be, still trying to figure it out the other thing is so i just want to thank everyone that was a part of that especially uh those that like i mean we still had a group coaching session yesterday for the vips and stuff so folks that like i just want you to realize i'm saying this is to, to someone yesterday i was saying the guy in our group named augie that remember that you showing up right now right it's a sunday Right. It is a Sunday afternoon or morning, wherever, depending on where you are, maybe night, or depending on where you are. This is you're intentionally trying to get better. That is like and not like I'm as a, like into like 
comparing myself to other folks, but this is really sets you apart. You are actively trying to become a better teacher or actively showing up and trying to help others be a better teacher. And there's just something to say about that, right? We Sometimes our classrooms are the way that they are because we haven't grown into the person that we need to be to be to, to show up for that classroom, right? We are not the teachers we need to be yet, but we are actively getting after that and going and, and growing into that person. And I just think that that's something to really be mindful of. And then the other thing I want to say, um, you talk about times. You can, I'm in the middle of making a banner. All right. We are, <laughs> we are changing the time of Sunday night teacher talk. So back in the day, it was at seven o'clock at night. That ended up being really difficult. We changed it to five. That, had its own issues because it's like dinner time and stuff well, like they that. Were for seasons, get... like different yeah. seasons for different times. I mean, our lives change, your lives change, everybody's yeah. lives change in seasons. But then back then we go. were doing church at, at night. So it was, it was getting in the way. So we changed it to about one o'clock. Then our church got is, is going through a really big growth spurt right now. Push it to one Um, So we're going to change it one more time. And this is, I'm hoping the time that's going to be for the foreseeable future, we're going to change it to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The logic behind this is that we toyed with five o'clock or a little bit later. My energy really wanes after like, say, dinner time. Um, and Are you saying you're old? I'm not saying I'm old, but I'm just saying like, I just, you know, it's not my optimal time. My optimal mm, time gotcha. would be like six o'clock in the morning to do this. But um, that would really mess up our name Sunday night. Yeah, Sunday before sunrise, <laughs> before sunrise teacher talk. Uh, the the logic, though, is we thought about 5 p.m., but Eastern time, 5 p.m., you're messing with folks' dinner time, especially those that folks that are, like, pretty regimented in their schedule. So we thought 4 is, like, a lull on Sundays, especially it's not football season, it's a lull. So maybe this is, like, your just doing stuff around your house, right? You're, we're traveling with you. Like you're doing your laundry. You're getting stuff ready for the next day. You're lesson planning. You're maybe making dinner. And so we're not encroaching on that family time, but it is also giving us enough time to have meaningful time uh, with our church community and then come home because it's hard when everyone's hanging out afterwards and you have to just like literally run out the door, jump in the car. Someone tries to talk to you. Can't talk right now. Run all the way home and then set all this stuff up. So Starting next week, which is March something, it, this it's March fifth, March fifth, um, which is still is March something. I mean, I wasn't wrong. It will, we will start at four p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and I'm excited to see how this goes. And I'll tell you what, people in Australia are excited to see how this goes because it's not the middle of the night for them. Yeah, so they'll be able to participate. It'll be like seven a.m. Monday yeah. morning for them. So I awesome. and I realize this is not optimal for everyone, but it's hard. It's impossible, really, to to optimize to come up with something for everything that we're doing. Um, yeah. Yeah. I hope it, I hope the new time fits some new people in and um, I hope it doesn't cut out too many people. It's hard, but we hope that it is. That we're trying to, we're trying to help help. Like if we can make this the best it can be for the majority, that's what we're trying to do here. So that's it wife. What All you right. got for me? Uh, well, here's something you can speak to. I'm not so sure if it's a question. Um, but Jeremy is saying in my third year have, and have had, um, my first students say they hated me to my face. I, Damn. I stop and think about my actions a lot. And I know the truth is, um, in the middle, the student has their issues and I did something to elicit that response. So 
first of all, I'm sorry that you're dealing with this. I know that it's difficult to deal with, like you show up wanting to be, you know, the complete opposite of that, right? To be someone that is like, that loves what you're doing, that is inspiring students and getting them to want to learn. But then when our actions have the opposite reaction and a student hates us, or I think what might even be worse um, is they say the opposite of love isn't hate, it's indifference. And so if a kid is just completely indifferent and doesn't care what you think, I think there's that, I to me, that feels worse. There's a couple of things here that I think are interesting, though. One, kids can say they hate you out of just malice, but sometimes it's worth asking yourself a question is like, this child feel like they're telling you they hate you to put you on notice. They're telling they hate you because they want to remedy the situation, even if not in like their their teenage or pre-teenage mind. Um, that's not what's happening, but that's what's in their heart. And so also this idea of speaking your truth, maybe not the most tactful way you could say it to tell someone that you hate them, but are you sharing um, what's on your heart with someone else and in a space where you maybe feel safe enough that that can happen, right? So I, that's just a, a slightly different way to look at this. So what do we do with this? I think just to your to your point there, Jeremy, sometimes it's asking ourselves, is it me, right? I, I think that it is so easy in, in not just education, but in life to deflect and say, this isn't my fault. This is someone else's fault. This is the admin. It's the students. It's my wife. It's my kids. It's my neighbor. It's whatever. The question to just ask yourself, though, to, to try and be real is, is this me or could this be me or could I be doing something better? And we talked about this actually in our VIP session yesterday. And, you know, th th I think the power behind that is if it is you, you now have the power to do something about it, to change something about it. If it's not you, you can't do anything about it, right? Like if, if it's not you, then you're stripped of the ability to instigate change many times. So if I am in argument with my wife and I am, I just think that it's all her fault, well, then what am I supposed to do about that? I can't like talk her into, do you ever try and talk your spouse into feeling the way that you feel? It's like a total nightmare. But if I know that I did something wrong, then I can change my behavior. I can change the way I react. I can change the way that I'm loving my wife and I can do something about that. So what I would do is I would sit down and talk to that kid and say, you know, I'm really sorry that you feel that way. And I'm curious, um, what could I have done differently or what am I doing? that is making you feel this way. Now, I don't know that we can make other people feel, this is a bigger, deeper philosophical point, but like, I don't know that we can make anyone feel anyway, um, but that's that's a whole nother conversation. However, if I'm talking to someone that is feeling like I, that it's me that's making them feel that way, uh, what could we be doing different? And then don't let go of that. And Or even if they need some time and space, because I guarantee you that a young person is never, you know, more times than not has not told someone that they hate someone. And then they come to them rationally and say, I'm really sorry that you feel like that. I'm interested in, in like working this out. Can I ask what I did or what I could, what I did that upset you or what I could have done differently that would have changed this. And then really listening, 
well enough that you are not cutting them off and that you could literally say back to them uh, what they just said. So you say, so what I'm hearing is, so what I'm hearing is, and then you repeat it back to them, the main points. And what that does is it allows people to hear back and make sure that you're clear and it's allowing them to hear back what you're talking about or what they what they just said to you. And so, and then it is trying to instigate small movements, but I think it's also telling kids straight to their face that I just want you to know that all I want you to do is win, right? And I do get aggravated sometimes. This is like a little bit of speculation. I do get aggravated sometimes when you act like that. I do get aggravated sometimes when you do that. I do get aggravated when you come to my class late or when you don't do your work. It does aggravate me because I know what's on the other side of this. I know what's on the other side of you not doing work. It's not living the life that you dream of living. That's exactly. Or it's significantly slowing down the rate at which you will get there. So I was not a successful high school student. Um, but I am living a life that I am in complete love with, um, around people that I'm completely in love with. And, and, and so I, but I'm not, I'm not where I want to be yet, but I know that that's because I screwed around in high school. I know that's because I screwed around in college. I know that it's because I didn't put that, I didn't have the vision yet, or I wasn't open to the vision. This is a whole longer story, but I think that it is having that conversation with students. Um, and, and, and look, does it suck? Is it hard to do? Yep. But do we need to do it anyway? Yes, it is still important. Um, oh, my iPhone storage is full. That's weird. Uh, cool. What do you got? Why do you ask this? I'm going to plug in uh, your laptop because we didn't do that yet. And I don't oh. want to die mid-show. Go ahead. Yeah, thank you. Um, okay. Shana is up next asking. I feel like I'm asking it to nobody in a blank chair. Yeah, here there I you am. go. All so, right. Uh, what is the channel slash site that recaps the latest social media trends? I forgot. I think it... The one we use or watch is Daily Dose of Internet, and it is the best. It will literally take um, all of the greatest. It's all the things that are really hitting. A lot. It's, some of it is like stuff that this dude just finds, but it's all the stuff that's hitting is a, is a great one. Mm -hmm. uh, I think another one is Beige Cardigan on Instagram is great, and it's hilarious. Like, like stuff to find for school or is it just hilarious for no adults? but no but you could you could find your it'll put you on to stuff that's in, popular in culture oh, okay right so it's kind of like world hip-hop but like not it, it's not direct it's not hip-hop it's it's just culture and so it's memes that are that are out there news footage that's out there things that your kids are probably looking at probably being fed is going to show up on their radar that if you connected that to a word problem, to an example, to a lesson, the kids are going to go, who, how do you even I know. know? I wonder if people this? realize that, like, if someone started an Instagram, like, just straight towards, like, pop culture, I even think, like, things like Good News mo uh, Movement, news. Yeah, like, one. those ones, like, anything that is doing what's hot, like, online, those are such great places to follow for teachers because yeah. you can pull from those resources of like your kids have probably seen this mean or this Instagram yeah. going around like something of that nature like I think those are really useful I think maybe another spot to just check out um and your politics might not align he tries to be bipartisan but I, I don't know that that's always true is Philip DeFranco on YouTube he is does the news really really quickly he's a YouTuber that does news and it is um so the the value in this, right? Even if it does not align with your political or or your or your values or something like that, it is 
it's going to places where our kids are probably being like they are getting information. And Philip DeFranco has a really good sense of what is being talked about in culture and then speaks to that. So it, it, it's it's about this. It's about becoming relevant in your classroom. It's using examples that your students are familiar with. And so not all of this stuff is politics either. So I'm not saying like bring. No, they'll have a lot of things that are happening with uh, like beefs that are happening between YouTubers and like stuff like that. That isn't like. But it's not just just drama mama stuff. No, it's not drama. It's It's like what's happening on YouTube in the world of YouTube and with YouTubers and influencers. And it's it's some of that, some of it's news, but it's all pop culture. But it's stuff that I think is you won't find any i wouldn't i would never see what's on philip defranco like on instagram or any of those sites yeah. he is more like news of what's happening yeah. in through social so the fact that like brody told us this morning that i think mr beast recently became the number two youtuber in the world um and that's just something i would want to know it's something i would want to talk about in class it's something i at least want to not a whole conversation but like a mention and you put it into a word problem. You put it into an example. You put it into a journal entry. It or makes kids like bell their ears perk up too. Yeah. Like of like, oh, oh wait, I know this. Or yeah. we're doing something I know yeah. or I'm familiar with. Yeah. Um, all right. Are you ready to move? To I'm ready. One? Do it. Um, okay. So John Fox is up. Uh, I think he has a lengthy one. So let's do it. Let's go through all of them. Okay. First one up, having a difficult time with another teacher. She is gossiping uh, about me with students and told them I did something which I did not do. She said I left another class unsupervised. When I confronted her, she insisted I left the class unsupervised and wouldn't even let me explain what happened. She got hostile and started yelling like she often does. This isn't the first time this has happened. I went to admin. They basically said, just stand up for myself and don't take what she says personally. I don't know how to stand up for myself since she often involves the students. And I don't know how to act or react when she is inappropriate with me in front of them. I think that's it. So, um, that sucks. Sorry. You're dealing with that, John. I am sorry too. I'm sorry that your administration is acting like that as well. I think administration should be a mediator. Um, so what I would do, John, is there's a couple of things here. One, it's I just I would minimize my my access or, or like her access to to me um, because of my faith. Um, I think we're called to love everyone, but loving people doesn't mean providing them with access to my life. So there are tons of people in my life that I just really limit my access. Um, you don't meet my criteria for uh, someone that I want to be around. And so I just limit my access. So I still love you and I still hope the best for you, but I'm just like not going to hang with you. And folks don't even know that. I just like, don't do it. Uh, There's tons of people I've worked with that I think are negative at best, damaging at worst. And to, to culture, to students, to the work we're trying to do. So I just limit my access to them as much as possible when I do talk to them it is very like, um, I don't want to say robotic, but it's not like, like, Hey, how was your weekend? You know, like, I'm not trying to be warm and inviting. I'm just like, like reporting the news. I would not talk to students about this anymore. If you didn't do something, then it's kind of like, who cares, especially if admin knows. And if admin is like, doesn't think you did something wrong, they didn't pull you into the office, have a conversation with you, then it is what it is. They can believe whatever they want to believe. But 
I, to be honest with you, John, just to make sure that, you know, because I, I think so much of teaching is your reputation and it is what students think about you, what parents think about you. And, and although I try to not be so caught up in what other people think, it definitely is a factor, right? So if someone thinks that I'm a lazy teacher, that I don't do the work, that I'm not about the kids, that I'm whatever, um, that is going to affect how people see you. And, and so if your kids are looking at you like you don't care, like you are less than, like you're an idiot, um, then that's going to be, that's a problem. If this happens again, I would immediately go to human resources. I would skip administration. Here's the problem with admin sometimes, right? Um, I know admin that are strong leaders. I have friends or there are people on here. I've worked with folks that those folks are like, when I say lead, you're like leading the charge. You are taking me from a place that I don't want to be to a place that I do want to be or from somewhere that's horrible. Um, the only the only metaphor I can ever think of is like it takes you from pain island to pleasure island, which sounds weird. But um, it is someone that is captaining that ship across across the way. There are other leaders that are just managers. And what do managers do? Managers don't want to get you off pain island. That's way too much work. And they're not even maybe sure how to do that. So they try to manage your feelings. They try to say, well, look, you know, just don't listen to her. It'll be all right. So instead of fixing the problem, we're sweeping it under a rug. Instead of fixing the car, when you know it's making noise, you just turn your radio up louder. I've had many of those cars in my life. And so that means you are going to have to do it. And so who do we go to? We always go to decision makers. And now, you know, if your admin's not a decision maker, if you, and that could be, look, gang, this could be your department head, it could be your grade level chair, it could be your vice principal, uh, um, your principal. Like if those folks do not back you, I go to the decision makers. There's not a chance in the world that I'm ever going to complain about a product and go and talk to a store employee about it. Or I'm not going to talk to um, the department supervisor if, if they are not going to be able to make a decision, right? So some stores empower people to make decisions, others don't. Um, they, I'm not going to, I, I want to talk to the manager or the district manager or the regional manager. I want to talk to someone that's going to make a decision because that's what I'm trying to get to. The, what empowers you in this moment, John, if, if you do feel awkward, because sometimes we can feel awkward and it's like, it's hard for us to go and do this. We need to realize that that other teacher is creating a negative uh, school environment for students. And they're all actually teaching them things like talking behind people's backs is all right. Not confronting the problem head on and telling everyone else about it is all right. Starting gossip is all right. Not actively listening to someone else. Um, freaking out in the hallway. Uh, like we're setting norms that they might not even think that they're setting or that they might have a vision of like that this is okay. And we are shutting that down because that is not good for, that's not a, a stable healthy environment for kids to come up in. So let that empower you. So we're going to, to human resources, not even just for me, but because this is going to negatively impact my students. That's all I would do with it. Can you get my coffee out of the kitchen? I don't know if Marley ever pressed it. Oh, yeah, I can get it. How about I give you a question first? Hit me. Hit Let's me with a question. With, uh, Molly is up next. She's asking, how do you not take mean parent comments personally? Sometimes their words hurt. They do. They do. I've had parents uh, yell at me, um, tell me that I don't care about their kids, tell me all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, 
they, I once had a mom come in and her son was wildly in the wrong in class and was inappropriate with a female teacher. And so they were like, said something like sexist and worse to a female teacher um, who was just trying to get this student to pay attention. Like the, like the, the kid was in the wrong in this situation. I said something about it. The mom, he texts his mom said, I said something that I didn't mom comes up to school in, whoa, man, on fire, like yelling at me in the hallway, yelling at um, other parents that were trying to calm her down, yelling at the principal. I mean, it got out of control. So even though I know that I wasn't in the wrong, it still, it still hurt that I, that someone felt that way, that I wasn't able to break through that. I wasn't able to communicate. And so how do we deal with this? I think part of it is um, it's, it's having a conversation with yourself around, is this true? Like, is there anything that they're saying that might be right? The power of that is like, you have to be real with yourself. Like, like maybe they're touching something that is actually like you fear that that is the, your truth, but then it's having a real conversation about yourself. And I do this out loud, right? I like, like I sound a little unhinged. I have these conversations out loud because sometimes when they happen in my head, they just, they kind of like, I go down these rabbit holes. So I say, is you know, that mom said that I don't care about the kids and I only care about myself. Is that right? What would lead her to believe that? And then really being honest with myself and saying some of those things. All right. So how do I know like that? What would, what would be the opposite of this? How is she not right in this situation? And then having a conversation with yourself about that as well. Uh, because, you know, I think having the conversation with yourself is really important. But then it's talking to other people about it as well. And what you want to do is there, there's a lot of people you could talk to about this. I suggest I think teachers are the best um, or, or therapists would actually be the best. But like talking to other teachers, te no one understands teacher life like teachers, right? It's kind of like being a parent. When you talk about parenting to anyone that's never actually had a child um, and whether by birth or by adoption or any other means, um, it is like they just don't know. Like you, you just can't like, don't give me advice about how to raise a kid if you never had a kid. And so don't give me advice about how to teach if you never taught. And so I would talk to someone that understands that's not just going to back you, right? What I don't want is just a good friend. that's like, you know, you're the best and they're wrong and blah, blah, blah. I want someone that's going to be real with me. And then I try to really listen to what they say. Like they're actually speaking the truth. So what I don't want them to do is say something and it's not going to align and then I feel like I, I don't want to, I don't want to just be looking for what I'm looking for. I'm looking for truth. And sometimes that's going to come in a way where someone might speak some truth to your life, uh, positive or negative that I'm going to, I'm going to really try to accept. I don't do well with compliments in my life, like as a personal thing. And so when someone gives me a compliment, I have to really try, I have to really like breathe that in. Like I have to really take it in. That's, that's hard for me um, for a hundred other things in my life and all my other baggage. But um, it, I think that that's what I would do. It is having that conversation with yourself. It is having that conversation with someone else and then 
what's going to happen is you just over time, you're going to get, it, it'll get better. It'll just get better. And so finding other things to fill your mind so that you're not dwelling on that, like go to do something that demands your attention, right? So like, if I go like back when I was younger, I would go rock climbing a lot. So you can't think about other stuff while you're rock climbing. You can't think of other stuff while you're, um, while you are surfing, right? No one's thinking about literally anything else except for, I don't want to drown or fall off my surfboard, or I really want to catch the sweep. So find some other stuff that, that does that. And so here's, what's going to happen when you do that. This last thing I'll say, the neuroscience would show you that when we are struggling with any problem, if we do anything else to take up our mind share, to take up our conscious mind share, what that's allowing to do is your subconscious is allowing you to, it's working that problem out. It's figuring that problem out. But we need to just, you know, we need to not just stay on top of it and work it out and figure it out and go after it and, and, and your mind's running and running and running and running to give your mind a break. That could be a nap. It could be a movie. It could be an outing with friends. It could be going for a run. Whatever that is, do something that's going to let you rest and not think about that. It's It seems like escapism, but really in reality, your subconscious is figuring that problem out for you. All right. Let's have some Lego calls. Well, I love that cup because you make that stupid face all the time. That's like your face. <laughs> you even make that face in the book. Yeah, I know. It's like copyright infringement from the Lego people. <laughs> That's not where you got it from. Okay. Our next question is coming from Maisha. She's asking, um, oh gosh, uh, will you be making merch based on your phrase, small leaps make giant peaks? Um, I'm, I don't know where I got that from, but I'm pretty sure I didn't come up with it. But we are making a whole bunch of new merch. We have stuff that's on, Our on the way. Kind of is not Our, my favorite. <laughs> well, it, no, it's not that. We just use drop shipping, and I don't love drop shipping because yeah. it doesn't. It, there's just not a lot of um, flexibility. I'll say. So we're going to yeah. make merch where we actually color, color palettes are limited and things like that. So we have a bunch of new stuff, but we're getting our work, our website completely redone at the moment too. So all in is, all in works. Yes, maybe we'll come up with something with that one. All right, let me find our next question. Um, can you sing a sing? song? No, got one. Oh, thank goodness. Magic to kids. Uh, first first out of two, asking, being a kids entertainer and trainee uh, electrical installation tutor, I like to do things that are out there, and the senior leaders love the stuff I do. Awesome. However, my department also has people who don't put, put the effort in. How do you deal with people like that? You know... That's a great question. I, I think uh, I've there's a couple of ways, right? So when I would run my like any any number of things that I'd have, right? So I'd have uh, a guest come in and do like graffiti art with students or some kind of street art or some kind of activity. I'd have entrepreneurs come in. We'd go on class trips that would take us to all these cool different spaces and places. I would just have an activity in class that. A lot of times uh, I would try and get kids outside the class as much as possible, but especially when you were outside of our building, the building is, it's a row of classrooms on this side, a row of classrooms on this side. So depending on what side you're on, literally half the school can see what you're doing and it's distracting to everyone. But I don't, I mean, there's only so many places in the city to go do something that are safe. So, and have kids outside doing an activity and I get people all the time emailing me like, you know, can you not be out there? Like the kid, you're distracting my class. And I'm like, I can't like, I'm no, the short answer is no. Like, I think that school should be vibrant and moving and we're doing crazy wild stuff all the time. 
like that if i'm outside distracting then i don't know maybe you should do a better job of of entertaining your kids or or, or teaching your kids or engaging your kids or whatever it is so because that's the only way i really know how to it's one of the main ways i know how to win is by doing something that is like i'm going to take you out of the normal and we're going to go to cloud cuckoo land so that was a lego reference too so um <laughs> the so there's a couple of ways to deal with this one is to just not worry about it. I just don't like if other people just aren't going to do it. I don't, I don't think about it. Um, I read something the other day that said, uh, kind of like, think about this, right? This is, a, here's another sports reference. And even though I'm not a sports guy, if you took the nineties bulls, right. That won so many championships in a row and you took Michael Jordan off that team, they're just not going to be as good. Right. You still got Scottie Pippen. You still there's a number of players that are still good, but like they're not going to be what they were without without Michael Jordan. And so and I'm not trying to equate or connect myself to Michael Jordan. That's not it's not of interest to me. But what I'm saying is that um, every team, every business has those folks that are really propelling things, really making things happy and really doing stuff that is important then you have any number of people that just aren't it's just not what they do um the question becomes then um does that dictate my actions no and two does that does that lessen their effectiveness maybe they are effective without having to do it. like i can't i can't be effective in the classroom without juggle and fire all the time without doing over the top stuff it's just who i am right i'm not doing it to be better than anyone else but other, i've seen other people just like not have to do that they can just come in and just teach and they command respect and they command attention and the kids do their work and their whatever. It's just not who I am. I think the flip side of it also is I started, and I talk about this in my book, this idea of inviting people into your awesome. And so inviting people saying, Oh man, we have this, we're doing this great project today. We're doing this really exciting activity. The kids are presenting something today. We have a great guest coming in would you like to come to our class or would your class like to join our class in doing this? And I've seen a really positive return on that where I am inviting people into the great stuff that we're doing or into something that the kids are presenting. And then they get excited about it. I had a woman <clears throat> years ago used to get upset that I took so many class trips. And so I invited her to one. I just saw these pictures the other day, so I'm not going to say where it was or who I was with, but we went on this class trip and they got it. They were like, this is unbelievable. Like the, the place that we went to, the activity that we were engaged in, uh, because I only take kids that I, like, I don't take just anyone on a class trip. I give kids freedom to walk around like the space that we were in and like just meet back at a certain time. And they just loved everything about it. And after that, so they were in charge of signing off on my class trips. Well, they were one of the levels. I, they signed off on everything after that. I never had another problem with them for anything, but it's because I invited them into my awesome to see firsthand why we're doing this, why I need to do this. And so that's where it comes from. So that, so I would suggest one of those two things. All right. She got um, love. Sorry. I was working on other stuff. Uh, all right. Our next question I don't know if this is for the group or for you. You can give it a shot. Hit it. Uh, any suggestions on revision-based lesson activities? Students are not working effectively independently or outside of the lesson itself, even with exams in the subject pending. 
So to me, it is hmm, revision-based lesson activities. So it, I think sometimes it is, it's, there's a lot to be said here. I'm really curious what other people are, like are doing in their classrooms. But one of the things we do in our classroom is we make it in sizable chunks. So one, if we're, so if we're revising each other's, like, let's say someone like uh, is doing an essay or they're doing a research project on something and I want kids to, and this could be any level, right? This could be really little kids. It could be seniors in high school, but they're writing on their level. And we want kids to learn what to do and what not to do by having other students revise their work. And also, it also helps you get fresh eyes on things. So there's any number of times I write copy now for a particular thing that we're doing. And I always have like my wife read it or someone else read it to see what they, they think of it. Um, it is doing it in smaller chunks and giving kids specific things to look for. So you don't want to give them a necessarily like a whole rubric or like 10 to 12 things that they've been learning about. It's can we like in this round of peer revisions, I want you to just look for this. So I would have, a really hard time in the past with kids that would do like incomplete sentences, run on sentences, comma splices, uh, just commas in general, all kinds of like, or, or semicolons <laughs> or whatever. The kids are punctuation madness all the time. It is looking for things like transition sentences, uh, looking for, are you following up your statement with facts and figures or like, are you citing your, are, are you, citing textual evidence when you're writing something. And so we're looking for those specific things. And then it is limiting the time that we have to do this. If we give kids a whole period, if that is, it seems super boring, especially if we call any, like, and, and sometimes it's changing the language, right? I, I'm all about like giving you something. Cause if I, if I tell you um, that we're doing revision based learning lesson activities guys today we're going to do some revision like paper like research revisions it just goes man that doesn't that doesn't sound fun at all but if we can put some kind of sprinkle some magic on that i think that's that's part of it the other thing is can you gamify this in any way i find that you know we have to remember gang that school's so damn boring most of the time and although what we're teaching is difficult and i'll tell you what I have a new video series coming out um, that I'm planning out now in the Facebook group. If you're not part of our Facebook group, you should be. It's Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk on Facebook. Um, I asked folks for lessons that they have a really hard time sprinkling magic on. And which what that means is like making lessons come alive, making them engaging, making them meaningful, making them relevant to kids. I am going to make videos. I'm going to try and do every single one of the ones that I got comments back for. So even if it is not in my wheelhouse, it's not in my um, subject, my specific subject matter, I am going to dig deep and I'm going to try to come up with ways that I think you can make that come alive and make kids actually excited about doing that. So that's something that's happening uh, based out of our, our Facebook group. But um, I think sometimes it's how can I pitch this different? How can I show you that this is actually important? Not because it's going to be on a test in, in the future, but it is something that is important to your life. So like we need to be able to, one of the things I talk to my students about all the time is you have to be able to write clearly, especially in an age where we are doing texting talk all the time. And it's all these short little 
blips of information. It is your is knowing that your voice is important. And so especially as a teacher of like all black males in West Philadelphia and knowing that black males have the lowest graduation rate of any demographic in, in the United States of America, it is telling kids that like, look, like historically your voice has not been important. So what I want you to do is not just be able to speak your truth, but I want you to be able to speak your truth so clearly that other folks are not going to get tripped up on what you're trying to say. They are understanding you with absolute clarity. And then I want you to, I want to help you to learn how to listen actively to their feedback, to be able to internalize that and to be able to provide a, a like a response that's actually going to get you closer to where you want to be. So that I don't want you to just be good at saying something, but sometimes the written word is so much more important because to be honest with you, people can sit with a written word. They can't sit with what you're saying. That that's that that allows folks to just react and speak back. But if you can write what you're saying so clearly, then it is really taking your voice. And I want you to know that your voice is important. You know, what you're thinking and feeling is important. And so we have to learn how to do this. It is, it is absolutely crucial in your life that I think clear communication is like the number one thing that kids need to learn how to do. Being able to, to, to communicate what you're thinking, what you're feeling, what you're going through um, is, is, is top. It's the top level of the game. And so it's communicating the kids. Why is what we're doing actually important? It's breaking it down into sizable chunks. It is looking for only a certain thing or number of things at a, at a time. And so this, this is going to change, right? If you have like some pretty like kids that are reading and writing on a pretty low level, you're going to want to even simplify it more. If you have kids that are in like AP uh, English uh, in high school, then you can, of course, you're going to dial it up way up, but it is creating. Um, and, and then it's trying to find a way that this is actually relevant. This is actually meaningful that we can connect this to something that you already care about. I think that that's one of the ways that we kind of build engagement in the classroom. Maisha made a good point. She said, oh, I hit a button. Um, Maisha said in the comments, uh, and students need to know how to write it before they can type it mm -hmm. too. Like that's like the next step. I agree. Writing yeah. it is so it's much more like it <clears throat> sticks versus just. All of the science shows the typing. importance of actually writing things out. And I know schools have gotten away from that for a number of reasons, but uh even note-taking, like the science is very clear that if you write things down that you hear, it your recall is so much higher and yeah. your ability to process is so yes. much better. Then there's a million apps you can just take a picture of that and it zooms it right to text anyway. John, so. John Lopez puts it like this. He says, uh, kids have to go skull, paper, screen, rather than skull to screen. <laughs> I like that he used the word skull. John Lopez. Head. We could have just said head too works. So I call Lopez the godfather. Recently. Uh, he's funny. Okay, let's move on. Arnold is up next asking, first year CTE teacher, 20 years in MFG. My students and I connect well because we like to work pro um, productively. How do I approach other teachers or instructors that choose just to just do enough to get by? So I, you know, I, I think I, I do this thing when I speak live, Arnold, check this out real quick. I got this from Seth Godin. Um, 
when I speak to an audience, I have them raise their hands as high. I go, can you, everyone do me a favor? I want everyone here to raise your hand as high as you can. All right, now just keep it there for just a second, right? And so think about this. You can even do this right now. Raise your hand as high as you can. All right, now this, I want you to just step two. Raise it a little bit higher. 98% of the crowd goes a little bit higher. The question is, why didn't you raise your hand as high as you could the first time when I told you to raise your hand as high as you could? You shouldn't have been able to raise it any higher, right? And the, the answer is because we have been, and look, I'm not trying to get too deep in the weeds. It's not a conspiracy theory. I think that we've been trained um, by the education system or maybe by our parents to just do enough that no one bothers us, right? It is, I'm just going to give that much because what is the reward oftentimes for students that get all their work done? It's typically more work. Hey, I finished the project. What do you want me to do now? Um, Here, do this worksheet, work on this thing, take out your book and read it, uh, study for another class. We don't incentivize it with anything that would that would make kids want to get done early, to work hard, to get done in an efficient amount of time. Like we are teaching kids to like just gain enough to just so that no one bothers me. And we do this to teachers too. I know that with all my focus on relationships and not just me, there was a number of teachers in my school that were focus on relationships, on engagement, on classroom management. And those things were tight. Like, and what happens when you become the teacher that has great relationships, that your classroom management is unmatched in, in the school building, you get, start getting all the classes with all the kids that are the biggest behavioral issues. They literally, I've been, I've been in meetings. They go, Oh, just put that kid in Reynolds's class. What? Like it's, I don't need a bigger challenge. I didn't get everyone else to rise up and, and kind of like take care of their stuff. So I don't have a class of 32 kids that are like, oh my goodness. Or if you go on a class trip and they get you like all the kids that act up all the time. And it's like, why, why can't I just have like a mix? I don't need all the best kids, like give those to somebody else. But like, I, I don't, I don't need more of a challenge, but this is what happens. And so I think the way that we, we do this is how do we get other teachers and instructors to, to do, to do more, to go above and beyond. I think we make it attractive to do so. So I don't just do this by myself, but I'm constantly looking for other teachers that are doing cool stuff. And then I talk to them and you're sharing ideas and you're going, listen, dude, you do, you have great lessons. Here's what I was thinking about doing with this particular unit or this lesson coming up. Let me bounce this off you. I'm curious what you would think you would do with this. And I've had tons of meetings like we would do it instead of uh, our lame ass PLC that I was a part of. Um, it was sitting in a room that was like our own. We used to call it, it was like our, our chosen PLC where we would sit in a room together during a prep or after school or something like that and talk about, all right, here's what I have coming up. How am I going to make this the greatest? And so in doing that, you just start creating a culture where it becomes it's almost weird to not do the thing. So I want you to think of it like this. If you're at you're in seventh grade and you're at a school dance, right? Um, this is you. No one dances. There's like two kids that dance because they can actually dance. But everyone else is feeling weird and they're just being a wallflower. If you can get the majority of students on the floor, nothing attracts a crowd like a crowd. So now we are making it more attractive for kids to show up to not stand on the walls. And then 
if you can get that critical mass in the middle, now it's weird to be on the outside, right? And I've seen this happen in real time in my school where like, if you can, if everyone is too cool to do what you're doing, but then you make what you're doing so awesome that it is very, very difficult for kids to not want to be a part of it. Now you have the critical mass as a part of it. And now you have these few outliers that now you're, you guys feel weird because you're not a part of what we're doing. And I think that we can do this with education, with teaching as well as like, I, this is why it's so important to have the mindset to be the teacher that you were created to be, to, to have the courage to be the teacher. The kids need you. They don't need the other version. They don't need the dialed down, watered down, boring ass classroom. They need you to show up and be on fire, but you can't do that in and of itself. Have you ever had like, um, you don't have a bonfire that's set off by a one stick, right? A bunch of sticks on fire together, make it so it's like, damn, man, like, what, what, like I, I want to be a part of that. And then you make it inclusive. It's not exclude. It's not saying we do stuff like this and we're awesome and everyone else sucks. It's we're doing stuff that's awesome because we love kids and we're trying to be the best teachers we can be for children. But then like, do, do you, yo, do you want to be a part of this? Like we're all going out and we're all going to talk about lessons or we're all going to do this or we're taking the kids on this trip. It's bringing people in. Because sometimes I don't think folks know how awesome it is to be that kind of teacher. That it's at, it looks like a lot of time and energy and effort, but it is so much more rewarding than being Ferris Bueller's teacher and just sitting in the front. And maybe you saved all that energy, but for what? Like, this is what we're here to do. So it's making it something that's inclusive and always looking to bring more and more people onto what you're doing. All right. Our next question is going to come from Summer Smith asking. It's a great picture. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, she's asking, how do you regain regain respect from students who disregard my expectations? Here's a little bit of clarifying information sure. saying, I'm starting to see that last semester I did not re remain firm with expectations because my students were in the honeymoon phase. I was bewitched. Thanks for your advice and, <laughs> and prayers because I need them. <laughs> so or if, I just want to get this right. So we're talking like class, like there was a lack of consistency. Things have gotten off the rails a little bit. I'm like, is that? I put the question back up there. Oh, oh you did. Okay. Um, second year semester teaching. How do you regain respect from students who disregard my expectations? I think that they have to be summer. I am a huge believer that we need to get kids to realize that those expectations need to be theirs as well. Um, and do we have? So there's a couple of things here, right? Without having like spoken to you, are your expectations too much? I think sometimes when we come into education, we might think about where we went to school or what's needed. And then we, it's like, you want to get strong? I'm going to put 200 pounds on this barbell and then I want you to lift it. And kids are going, I don't know. I can't lift 200 pounds. This is too heavy for me. <laughs> so are your expectations a bit much? And I'm not even saying you can't get to where you want to go. I'm just saying sometimes we need to start smaller and and build from there because especially like I've seen this too, Summer. This is where this kind of goes from. Um, teaching in schools my entire career where my students didn't have a whole lot of consistency. By and large, I mean, my, there was a lot of like, there was no consistency in the school. Teachers were always coming and going. We had 50% turnover on any given year 
at both schools I've ever taught at every year. So that means at the end of the year, around this March, April, we start having this conversation of, are you coming back next year? Yo, did you hear if someone's, are they coming back next year? Yo, are you coming back next year? So there's this already, there's like this complete inconsistency within the student body because like no one wants to buy into you if they don't know that you're going to come back, right? If you were going to be inconsistent, they don't want, they don't, it's it's almost like a self-preservation thing. They're, they're guarding their hearts a lot of times, students, because they don't know if you're going to show back up. That I can tell kids that I care, but sometimes I need a track record of caring. That love is an action verb. Caring is an action verb. And so that I have to show up and actively care. And when you do go through the whole, like, I'm not listening to you. I don't really care about this. I'm going to grind you down with love. And how do I do that? It is going to be by never letting go. It's going to be by constantly telling you, not just showing you. I got to tell you I care. I got to tell you I want you to be successful. For some of you, and this is not for everyone, I tell my students all the time that I love them, but that I have to show them love. And then I have to show them love, not just through um, constantly being on top of them, but constantly making great lessons, constantly looking for other opportunities for them to explore, constantly looking for um, ways to make class come alive because I love you and I'm loving you and I'm showing you that I care and that I want you to be successful because I'm trying to make this as engaging as possible. I'm trying to bring this person in because I want you to have access because it turns out studies show that your success, the number one determiner, de determining factor of a child's success is their zip code. So I'm trying to bring folks in that might not come to my school otherwise, or might not come to the neighborhood my school is in otherwise, so that you have access. So I am doing all of these things to help you be successful. But I need to start with telling students that, look, I think I think y'all got it twisted sometimes. I Everything I do in here is because I want you to be successful. Classroom management isn't about me keeping you under control. It's helping me to create. It's helping us to create an environment in which you're going to thrive, not just survive. It's creating an inclusive learning environment for everyone in here because there's so many different types of kids, right? And so when we're dealing with a broken system like the education system in, in America and beyond, it is we are trying to take steps to, to take that back, to empower you. And so why can't you talk when I'm talking? Because then you're not going to know what's going on. And if you don't know what's going on, you're not going to be able to find success. And if you're not going to find success and you're going to end up not going to be able to do the things that you want to do in your life that you dream of, and you're going to end up living in your mom's basement next to the Christmas decorations for the rest of your life. And so it is walking kids through these scenarios. It is showing up. It is building relationships with kids. And then Summer, I think the other piece is it is building consistency in your classroom that is rock solid. And you can do that in small ways. It doesn't have to be super rigid, but you know, one of the things we talked about in this last, uh, in the classroom CPR, um, workshop that we did was this idea of consistency in the classroom and clarity. I want all kids to know if you walk into my classroom seven minutes late, you can look on the board and look at, you get immediate sense by what's on the board and what students are doing that you know exactly what you're supposed to be doing right now. You know exactly how to fall in. That we're not building a lot of rules and policies and procedures like in this cold sense, we're building rhythms in class. Because if you have a rhythm and you are a good musician or a good dancer, you hear that rhythm and it takes an instant for you to fall in line and be able to start moving your body in a way that is in rhythm or drop a beat on a drum set or, or a bass or whatever, you can fall right into that rhythm. 
That's what we're trying to create in the classroom. And that's what consistency creates. Consistency creates rhythms and rhythms create flow and flow creates this thing that kids can fall into. They know exactly what's going on, exactly why we're doing it. And it, and that creates movement in the classroom. And so I think that those things are what I would kind of look at. And I know that's a lot, but um, it is looking for small ways. So to, ne- this week, could you think of, or maybe you need this week to plan, you implement it the following week. What is a way that I can get class on point and locked in in the first five minutes of class? What are some of the things, what new habits do I need to start for me and do I need to create for my classroom that we are locked in for the first five minutes of class. I would then, you know, then you tag on what are maybe the next, not even maybe the next five minutes. Maybe it's, can we do five minutes and that's our bell ringer or our do now or whatever. And then how do we lock that transition into the next activity? So even if the next activity is not locked in, the transitions are always some of the hardest things in the world transitioning kids into your class, transitioning from activity to activity, transitioning to the end of class, transitioning out of your class, transitioning kids coming in and leaving at the same time. How can I get that first transition on lock? And then it's building it from there. And so that's how I would say to do that. But that's also going to be done in tandem with um, you doing some of those other things I talked about. And I won't say them all again, because I have a tendency. It's when when you teach, you realize that leaders are repeaters and that with students, you have to say something 75 times. And sometimes I end up doing that when I talk to teachers also. I so. do that when I talk to everybody, because I feel like everybody needs that. Yeah. And it's, it's like you're a, busy thinking in your head a lot. It's of like, times, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell listening. you, what I'm going to tell you what I'm about to tell you. Then I tell you that I'm going to tell you what I told you. Then I'm going to tell you that I'm going to do one more. So one more time. Total tell you. The people in the back. <laughs> All right. All right. Miss L is next asking how to pivot and plan what's next. I realize that the current job and teaching team are not a good fit. Feels like I keep needing to start again, thinking I want to launch my own art course or center. So that could be exciting. I think that that could be incredibly exciting. Um, You know, one of the things we kind of kind of talk about what we dream about doing. I, we dream about a lot of stuff, so I don't know really where you're going with right, that. So when, I'll just talk about it then. Right. It's Sunday teacher. <laughs> um, one of the things we're dreaming about doing is like, um, is not just building stuff for teachers in the classroom, but it's like if you want to do something, create a course, create uh, a workshop, create a YouTube channel, a blog, whatever you're doing. Um, can we help you fast track that process? by creating stuff for teachers that like want to do that stuff that want to be like an influencer or something like that. Cause there are definite ways that, man, we've learned so much to be, to that we could, if man, if I told someone it would just fast track their process. Like, incredible. We've been doing this for a long time. We've been doing this for six years, now. seven years and seven oh. years in influencer years is like dog years. Because so much has changed in the world of social media and YouTube and things of that nature. Um, oh my gosh. So anyway, that's one of my dreams that in the next year, yeah. two years is will absolutely be launched. So how do we help her um, pivot her plan for what's So next? I think one of the things is, I, I, I don't think enough people, Miss L, talk about, when we think about, when we start teaching, we just think about teaching. And this is by and large what people think, I think when they get any job, they, they work, you work your whole life, right? You're working in school 
Think about how this is pitched. You work all the time in school, all the time in college with a vision on what do you want to do when you are done, right? So what is the job you want to have? And I don't think that that is the move. I think folks need to be looking at what is the life you want to live? And then how do we incorporate your, as Mark Twain would say, your, your vocation and your avocation? How do we make them one? So I used to look at what kind of classroom I wanted, what kind of results I wanted in my classroom, but I never built into that my life. So that is why you come home and you don't have enough to give to your kids, right? You're given you're given 90% of you at school and then your family gets 10% of your family gets 10% of you. Like, like what? So it is trying to create, and this is why I'm so big on systems is because I'm trying to create systems in my life that allow me to give. And I decided this a few years ago that I would never give less than a hundred percent to my student, to my kids anymore. My own children that I made like Brody and Marley get a hundred percent version of dad. I never wanted to, I wanted to minimize to the best of my ability, the effects that school had that I wouldn't come home and just be like dead when I showed up at home, that I wanted to be able to show up on the weekends and to give all that I had. But how was I able to do that? So I think it is starting with the end in mind. Um, so this Stephen Covey's idea, um, seven habits of highly effective people or something like that. So he says, start with the end in mind. So what do you want your life to look like? What does it look like school integrated with a business, integrated with a course, integrated with your family, integrated with your dog? Um, so what does that look like big picture? And then why do I want to do this? Right. So like when we know why we want to do something or what exactly we want to do, what do I want to create a course for? Is it for students? Is it for teachers? Like, is it for art teachers? Is it for math teachers? Why do I want to do this? And then what do I want the outcome to be? And dream big, right? Like I have, my list is insane of like what my dream house is going to look like and what like I want to have there and the things I want to be able to do on the vacations and all this stuff. Dream out your life, figure out why you want any of the stuff that you want. And then, then you start reverse engineering that to like, well, how can I work this out? So I think that that's a far more fun way to do it also, but that is how I have, um, I've had a lot more success because what it stops you from doing is just going after the shiny objects all the time um, and, and making things more complicated than they, what they need to be. All right. We I have... hope that was made sense. <laughs> all right. We have two more questions. Two more. Let's do it. All right. Steph Shook is, is the easy one asking what size of books is good for the flying books? I have a bunch of textbooks that are out of date and cannot sell or donate. So I, I don't think, Textbooks are a bad idea, I think. So what Steph's asking about, these are flying books back here. And you can make them without like these loopy pages too. Um, but these are, I don't even know if I have a book that's like that size. So well, I think when you did your example of So like this them, size book is probably what those are, right? No, but in your example video, when you made them, I think you cut out a lot of pages. So if you have yeah. an extra thick book. Yeah you can take out some of the pages and not from one section, do it like you're Evenly. thinning someone's hair or something. Oh, that's weird. Um, it's a letter. I don't think I knew that he put that in there. Um, <laughs> so, uh, your purpose is calling this great book. Uh, Dr. Darius Daniels, I'm, my man, your man's mentioned on page 76. Um, so the, you take out pages from different sections, um, and then it's going to thin that out. 
And so I think that that is how I would do it if you had textbooks. Um, I've also been playing with this idea of using like washi tape on these, like on the edges or on the inside or painting the outside so that they look a little bit more vibrant and stand out, especially if the books that you're using are the same color as the walls in your classroom. They might, they have a tendency to like, they don't pop out as much. So either painting the wall or putting up bulletin board paper so that they pop out or painting them or using washi tape or colored duct tape or something like that. All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. I, I really want to do another one after this one because I've got a good one coming up. All right. Uh, Ashley Davis is asking, I taught middle school Spanish and deeply loved it, but I had to stop less than a year due to mental and physical health issues, chronic fatigue and bipolar disorder. Yeah. That affected my ability to concentrate and prepare lessons well. How do teachers succeed if they have chronic physical or mental illness? So, Ashley, this is such a great question um, because it's how do you how do you do the work you feel you've been given to do with certain, I don't want to know if we want to say limitations or like, you know, there's only so much you can do. I think you show up and you, if one, I think it's really wonderful that you actually know what those things are, right? Like when I think there's some folks out there that I know I've been on this place where like, I've been so tired or I've been depressed or I've been just sad um, or angry and I didn't know where that was coming from. And that makes it even more difficult that when you know what it is, it's like when you name it, you can claim it. And when you claim it, you can, you, you know where this is coming from. I think it is, I, I try to look at the things that I can control, right? So when my life feels like it is out of control, it is looking at things like, am I getting, and this is knowing me, right? This takes a, a high level of self-awareness, which I've, I've fought for. So it's knowing how much sleep I need to get and that a, night, a good night's sleep is not going to offset four bad nights of sleep. So I know that like I need to go to bed by a certain by a certain time. I can't I need seven hours, but that's seven hours. I can't go to bed at one and then wake up at eight and be like, oh, that was good. I got seven hours like that doesn't work for me. I go to bed around like 10 o'clock at the latest is my goal. Um, and then I get up at the best part of me gets up at five o'clock in the morning, even four 30 in the morning. Cause I, I get, I do better when I'm in the morning. I know for me, um, I have to work on like, uh, I think this Dr. Stoltz says your life force. So like, what am I eating? I have an, I know exactly what foods send me down a negative rabbit hole and what ones don't. I know even little things like if I drink beer, I am less than the next day, but if I drink wine, I'm, pull that off. Um, I know that if I'm drinking, eating too much sugar, eating too much bread, whatever I'm doing, this is another thing that I know about. I know that what gives me energy is hanging out with friends, um, playing and listening to music, gardening. Uh, I know the things that, that are going to give me that fill me up. So it's those things I can control. I can't always control the chemical imbalances in my head, but I can control those things. And when I force myself to do those things and I have a habit tracker on my phone, that says every day, am I reading and and or listening to something that I'm learning? Am I praying and meditating? Am I drinking 32 ounces of water, which is not even that much water, but minimum 32 ounces of water? Am I exercising every day, which means I'm either going to the gym or walking or running a minimum of two miles? When I'm doing these things and I'm taking them off, I just, I can look at, I, I have a whole tracker. I track my life every day. Um, where I, I rate my life from zero to 10. 
mental health, physical health, my marriage, and my my work. And so I track them from zero to 10. And so when I look on my habit tracker, I can, this, I know this is way in the weeds for people, for a lot of folks, um, is when I'm not doing the things I know that are going to keep me healthy, I see those numbers dip every friggin' time. The other day I got really bad night's sleep. I was miserable the next day and I just hated everything. And it's, and it was like, I needed like two good nights of sleep to bounce back from that. Um, even though I was watching 1923 with Harrison Ford, it was frigging great. And my wife's like, come on, one more episode. And I'm like, that is not what made you tired. It was that you had a very long work weekend the weekend before and didn't have any downtime. So when my wife tries to make me stay up, I'm like, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I You're think, right. <laughs> I think the point of this is, is really, Ashley, I think you can do it. I think you can marry both, but I think you have to have very, it, it takes intentionality and you have to have very clear boundaries on on why you're doing them, right? The why you're doing them is because they work for you. Like you have to protect you because you know, you, you are you, and there's no denying that. Like, and if a school has a hard time with that, I feel like the hell with them. Yeah, really like facts. Because, because here's them, really. the thing. If you show up on time, if you do the best that you can, and if you're pleasant to be around, right? Like it's like, so what it doesn't mean that you, you, you just, you shouldn't have to go home and do the lesson planning and the work and all that stuff. You should be able to organize your life and your job that you can get it in within that, or yeah. maybe a small version outside. I don't know how it's, everybody works different. Like, yeah. but I think if you put boundaries in for yourself, you can balance the things that you, you control the things that you have control over essentially. Yeah. And then all those outside forces, you can handle all those outside forces when what you can control and what you need is taken care of. And then that's really the, the last of piece it. of that is, realizing that it's not just working on your pedagogy it's far more working on you how do you keep growing and getting better and better to be and better a better, better teacher yeah that's to be to be a better person because when you are growing as a person right we say this all the time that yeah. teaching is so much about confidence well i i say that in teaching because i want to just make it it is for everything and anything, but I think for anything and everything, teaching included your job, your parenting skills, like anything that you want to do in your life, it just takes work and time and effort. So if you just focus on those things about you, the external just becomes, that's a side effect. It's, yeah. A hundred percent. All right. Yeah. You got one more. All right. I do. Cause just you uh, asked a great question. She said, can we chat boundaries again? Not just students and families, but coworkers. Yeah. Um, she, I asked in particular, what she was asking about and she said so oh, i had it somewhere else um oh she said the person that you may have directly told repeatedly when you're working and busy but constantly constantly they are disrupting i'm sped so my paperwork is high i need to focus when i'm in my writing zone so, so i guess she has somebody who just kind of no matter what she seemed to have done because there's a few comments on yeah. this nothing she's implemented from headphones to telling the person the time that they can come yeah. has seemed to work and the person keeps imagine i think of brody who like we tell him like you're working and you're yeah. focused but don't come and disrupt but he's still like yeah. Wants to wave, doesn't realize that that's still disruptive. There's students that do that. Mm -hmm. There's, I think of Fines, um, one yes. of my favorite co teachers <laughs> of all time. My, he, Fines would just barge in. Like he was like, crammed. no matter how many times he told him. And, right? and I'm like, it, I'm like, I would tell, I tell my family this all the time. I go, all right, I'm going, when I have AirPods in, I'm, dad's going in the matrix. And I would tell my students this also, I'm putting, I'm going into the matrix. And I, in, 
I meaningfully do not make eye contact with you, but then they, you know what they do? They go like this, Reynolds, 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 are you li- Reynolds? And I'm like, bro, I, I'm, I, I even made a sign. So it, some of this is, I kind of do it with a half smile, right? It's the only, I, I don't do it by getting mad. It, if I get mad, then, then I don't, I, I don't like making people feel like that. So it is sometimes I have, I have made signs. I've hung signs on my desk. Um, I one time made a made a wall around my desk with cardboard, um, and it said like grading on the outside. It said something like, uh, "I'm working on your grade, and I'm not that good at math. Please don't disrupt me." Um, it was sometimes hiding in the building, right, and letting other people know that like I am not available because once you become a part of people's rhythms and they are used to popping in and seeing you or coming and talking to you, and they know where to find you, then that's a problem. So I would hide at different spots in in the school. Um, and sometimes it's just, it has to be like leaders or repeaters. It is telling someone, um, like, look, so for my guy finds or, or other teachers too, I would, I, last year I started doing work in my car, like literally sitting in my car with my laptop. Well, last year was so and- bad because you had, it was such a dumpster fire the whole school that everyone came to you. Yeah. Like no matter what you couldn't the get anything so done. I mean, teach one day, and this is more. I was on the first floor any given day. This happened tons and tons of times. You would just see school supplies rain down past your window, papers, books, <laughs> contents of teachers' desks that students would clear off and out the window. And it would they just rain down by my window. Um, it was wildly distracting. It is telling people that I can't do this. And if you tell them enough times with a, I try and do it with a smile. You can do it. How, maybe you're not a smiley kind of person. I have no idea. Depends on who's listening to this, but she did it with love. And and so it's, it's really telling people like, um, I want to listen to you, but right now I have to get this done. And I cannot, Mike, I cannot, uh, multitask. I tell my students all the time. I can't half-ass anything. I got a whole ass everything. So I need to focus because I have like, otherwise I'm going to have monkey brain. I have to just focus in. Um, can I come talk to you in 15 minutes? Where are you going to be in 10 minutes? Where are you going to be at the end of the day? Where are you tomorrow morning? So I'm not just saying I can't listen to you. I'm saying I want to listen to you. I am incapable of doing this right now because this is what is my priority right now. And where can I come find you? Not come back in 10 minutes. Where are you going to be in 10 minutes? Where are you going to be after school? Where are you going to be tomorrow morning? So now I'm giving them a moment where they can, they're like mentally scheduling our conversation and then we can talk about it. And so I think that that gives people, a, it's like a little bit of hope, right? Cause you know, it's still going to happen. You know, that's not going to happen right now, but you know when it is going to happen. And that's, um, th- that's how I've done it. Or I'll tell you this, I've had students that like, they work security for me. Um, my man, Joe used to sit in front of me every day and any kid that wanted to come talk to me, be like, yo, hold up. What do you need to talk to Reynolds about? He's in the matrix. This is what Joe would say. He's in the matrix. I love it. You have a buffer. And then he would write their name down and what their thing was. And then they, and the kids just thought this was so funny that they did it. And then they would leave. And then my administrative assistant slash security, Joe would give me the rundown on who needed what. And sometimes Joe could help them. He's like, oh yeah, you need that. Reynolds keeps it over here. Or Cause I gave Joe carte blanche. She could do whatever yeah. he wanted and get kids supplies that they needed and stuff. You were nice. And it was Poor it. Justine said she had headphones, like would try and wear headphones to block out the person or signify that she's working. I'm like, if that doesn't work and the person, you still do all of that. I literally would put headphones on. And even if they came near me, I would just shake my head 
and not even look up for them. They already know at this point. It's like a reminder. Yeah. Like sometimes people just need that like little extra reminder. Yep. Of like, nope, can't do it. Or some, I, was, I, I have, have had sign. signs. Yep. I held something. Up do stuff. something funny. Because yeah. then it doesn't piss everybody off. Yeah. <laughs> you could get like a number of like refrigerator boxes and I would just make an office around my desk out of cardboard um, that no one could bother me through. But that's extra. All right, gang. Um, all right. An hour and 20 minutes in. It's like the old days. We started this and we would do like, we'd do like two hour live feeds. So gang, new time. Sunday night teacher talk is going back to closer to night. We are starting at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time next week. And this is to try, this is one for us because church Schedule just change. keeps getting pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. So now we're trying to stop having these little changes we've had to make. Um, we're going to start at 4 p.m. And the idea around this, again, is like to try and be the best time it can be for the majority of people. I realize that this doesn't work for everyone, but we didn't want to do it 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time because that's kind of dinner time. Um, but at least at this year, time of the year, 4 p.m. feels like a lull. So we're hoping that this helps everyone. Um, but that will start next week, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, and if you need anything else, Remember, this is available on YouTube. You can also listen to it on podcast if you need to listen to it again. Um, and if there's anything else we can do for you, you can hit us up right at realrapwithreynolds.com uh, and contact us there or over at our Facebook group at Real Rap with Reynolds. Teacher Talk on Facebook is a great place to get connected with teachers um, that are likely as crazy as you are um, in the best way possible. So um, don't forget, tomorrow is mini PD, PD Monday. Yeah. Uh, so, so 11 a.m. tomorrow, new mini PD drops. Uh, and we got, I'm not even going to spoil it. We got good stuff for you tomorrow. All right. That have it? a great week, everybody. Yeah. Peace. I didn't do the thing. It always does this too. <laughs>